<laughs> but if you had to pick a part of someone else's job, what would it be that you had to Are, do? We're going to start with Anne. I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. Okay. Go, Todd. <laughs> go, Todd. I would pick my job. I'm living the dream, baby. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who gets to talk as much as me? Nobody. <laughs> Ariel's got the face on that goes, I don't know. I have to be in meetings with Kelsey. I was going to say that. <laughs> I did. That's a good point. Okay. Is there a way to be able to have more meetings with Ariel and Kelsey than I, that's a part of their well, job. Then that's yeah. my job, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so are you saying that's a part of Todd's job you want is the power to be like, this is the meeting that I want with the people that I want. Mm-hmm. Go. Yes. Everybody does have a calendar, so they can do that anytime they want. But You can, but I'm just saying, I'm like the totem pole. Yeah. You could schedule over a meeting and I'd probably take it. Decline, decline. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And you, Kelsey, do you want to read more compliance documents? We love reading. No. <laughs> no, I was like, um, I don't envy a lot of Todd's responsibilities either, which is mm-hmm. probably me just being pessimistic on a Monday that I'm going, that sounds like a lot of responsibility. That sounds a lot of, like a lot of compliance responsibility. Not to steal Todd's answer, but I do really like my job. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I think I would like to the fact that Todd gets to work cross departmentally a, mm. probably a little bit more than I do. Some of the operational stuff I find fascinating. So maybe maybe just a day shadowing some of the operational stuff would be fun. I wouldn't mind. Um, I mean, these regulations are like deep in the weeds, but I actually don't mind um, a little bit. And maybe Anne's going to say that's not how it is, but sometimes like the black and white of it, like Mm -hmm. this is the expectation and this is what you do. And just kind of like um, going down your checklist and where are you at? What do you have to get done? You know, like I actually wouldn't mind that. Mm -hmm. I don't know about all the reading that comes with it, but, you know, the process I think is very interesting. (laughs) So today on our Tech for Business podcast, it's the Ann Show. We're discussing government regulations. We've got um, Kelsey and myself are joined by Ann, our quality assurance analyst and GRC specialist, and then Todd, our COO and CISO. Um, and we're going to kind of do a little bit of um, basic introduction to these government regulations and then maybe deep dive a little bit towards the end. But I don't know if Anne wants to give us maybe a little introduction as to, you know, how many acronyms you have to know and maybe a couple of the top ones. That- well, I, I would start with saying there's always a place to look up the the <laughs> acronyms that we don't know. <laughs> um, really working with our, our state, local and, and federal regulations across the board there's like we mentioned it just a little bit ago there's always a manual there's always a place to refer and there's a way to to find out what the rules are with with these different regulations and and everything from a statute to a a, a law um we've had 
a lot of opportunities with our varied customer base to see a lot of sides of, of different re regulations that our customers have and being able to support them with their technology and how they do their business best. So needing to know or understand what where our customers are, CIT as a whole doesn't have a, a government regulation based on our products or our, our services. We have certain accreditations to support our customers and theirs, but we as an entity don't have any, any specific. So I'm just trying to think too. There, there's a few, two big ones that have come to the surface in the last few years are CMMC and, and CGIS. And we'll, we'll start with CGIS because it's smaller, but that's helping our customers manage, <laughs> not smaller, but it's a, it's a less lengthy and gooey mess. <laughs> it's, it's very black and white. Um, it is the, the, uh, Criminal Justice Information Services and and our police departments, our cities um, have information sometimes that requires us to understand how CGIS information has to be protected. In that there, there's a really riveting manual that I think is about 260 pages that you can go through though and find at any time you need to where that those controls are. We can refer to any, any portion of it, luckily, that we can say, okay, we'll recommend that you set it like this. It is always, always up to our customer though to, to ensure those are, are set appropriately. We can advise but not force. <laughs> um, but just kind of going back, the criminal justice, see just information is the information that law enforcement uses to work, um, to conduct business. It is uh, things about uh, criminal evidence. I'm looking at the our notes too, but the like the biometrics, a lot to do with the identity um, of a criminal and realistically CIT doesn't actually ever touch that kind of data. I just again want to make crystal clear with that, but it's it's used to uh, to make assessments, make notes um, by law enforcement to to support the the legal system, I guess. <laughs> but um, um, I'm going to jump in real briefly. I, I'm guessing that almost everybody that joins the podcast is probably going to be having at least some level of engagement on a government level, most likely. Mm -hmm. um, but just real briefly, CGIS is Criminal Information Services. Um, so we keep throwing out the acronym. I thought a little background would help. Um, and what's in, in information is the data is, is typically collected by government, um, whether that's FBI, local government, et cetera. And it does contain a lot of information about what you'd expect, fingerprinting, criminal background, history, missing persons data, background checks, firearms, that kind of stuff. So if you're going through the legal process, that's the kind of information that's in the CGIS services systems. And Sorry, it's a, continue. No, I, <laughs> I did say the criminal justice information systems. I just didn't say CGIS right after it. So. It made sense to me. We're so immersed in this all the time that we forget yeah. that 
nobody knows what I'm thinking. Um, it is important to be aware of all of the regulations surrounding this so we can best support our customers, but it's it's ensuring at a base level, it is it is really the methods that are required to protect the data, but it's still protecting data. It's it's compliance at its at a base level. We want to protect the sensitive information. We want to ensure people that have access to the sensitive information only have the need to know to do their job. They don't have access just because they feel like it. Um, and being able to guide some of our customers where I, it is rare that a law enforcement officer would read the security manual because that's not what they do. They are, are, are boots on the ground serving and protecting our communities. They certainly have no idea. <laughs> I, and it, it is really difficult from my perspective and I, I feel for them because they are levied these requirements. So we, we've found more than once that a chief of police is now being expected to be an IT director. That's, that's really not what they signed up for, but uh, again, our customers are fantastic in, in helping us help them and, and really looking at the, the types of information, the CGIS information, and going through the, these types of manuals and, and getting that, does this make sense? Is this set up to the, the requirements in this manual? And I hope that we, I think we always provide value to, to these customers, but um, it, it's just uh, another layer of, of uh, protection, I guess, and knowledge is of those levels of protection is always the, the best to understand. With our, yeah, with our it, CM, go ahead. Oh, that's fine. I was going to say, just kind of wrapping it around a bubble around that a little bit. I mean, there are a lot of different organizations that do have some kind of, um, I was going to use the word culpability. I'm not sure that's really right. But um, the reason why it matters, as I mentioned, not everybody is going to be in government or most people that are listening might be, but there is also an extension to it. Um, if you've watched any of our podcasts in the past, we'll get into things such as supply chain or just being a part of a third party. And as the world continues to get a little bit more complicated, you start to see this rise in cybersecurity attacks, et cetera. You're seeing that the there's a trickle down process of it may be a city, it may be a county, it may be a whatever, it may be the federal government itself, but they are starting to hold everybody accountable to make sure that they're doing the right things. And so you're starting to see that those organizations or government operations are being told that anybody they're working with has to comply as well. So um, one of the things that Ann mentioned early on was we don't really have the compliance requirement ourselves, and yet we do. So the, if we're working with a city, a county, a state, a contractor for the federal government, they are looking to us and saying, how are you doing your due diligence to make sure you're doing the, the things that you need to do? and or help us get there. But if we're helping them, they're still expecting us to be able to do all the things. So there is a, a strong guideline, whether that's, I'll, I'll throw in NIST too, and I never remember the acronym, but we use it enough that you you should know by now. Um, <laughs> but there's, there's let's do acronym soup, right? There's NIST, there's CMMC, there's CGIS, et cetera. 
they're all kind of largely the same. And I think this is where Anne was going to go next is what are the things that you're being asked to do? And they do have a lot of, a lot of similarities. They may phrase them slightly different. They may categorize them a little bit different, but at their core, they're still more or less the same things to make sure that you're doing in the security world. We call it the triad. It's the CIA confidentiality, integrity, accessibility, or availability. And so they're all trying to get to that same thing. And I'll be quiet again because Anne was on a roll. I'm sorry no. I disrupted your flow. <laughs> that was perfect. No, it, it really <laughs> is. But um, at, I always say at the base level, so many things are, are really the same. Um, one of those key elements in, in compliance in general and in information protection is knowing what you need to protect. And then based on that, the, the layers add, we need to protect this specific type of information or, or device or fill in the blank at this, this way. These devices are a different way, but um, the different regulations for, for government are kind of taking all of that in a, in a big circle and saying, hey, we've identified the specific kind of information rather than not knowing what to protect we know and now we have to apply it regardless so if if it's the CGIS information like todd elaborated on that that person data then we know it has to be protected this way if it's cmmc or or uh the, what's called cui classified on controlled unclassified information then you know that this specific data has to be protected this way. That's where all of these manuals, as riveting as they are, they, they really do spell out exactly what you need to do. And CMMC has been a little different because it's evolved a little, but I think with, with CMMC, it's really just been who's allowed to review the, the rules and protection haven't changed or, or the methods. Yeah, one of the things that I wanted to kind of touch on briefly was what is the purpose behind it? And as I mentioned, it's in, it's trying to, to do the triad, the CIA. And the reason for this being a concern is as the world continues to change, the threats continue to evolve. You're starting to see more people work remotely. Um, and brought up peacekeepers as an example of someone that would potentially have access to CGIS information. So they're they're mobile, they're out they're outside of the building, but still potentially having access to it. The threats are are getting more and more complicated. You're getting third parties in it. I'll use CIT as an example, since we do work with cities, counties, et cetera. Um, you'll typically see where we unintentionally may have access to a system. So we still have to do all of the due diligence to make sure that we comply as well. Um, it may be something that was inadvertent. We weren't necessarily looking at it, but as we're working on a system to get it to, to work properly, you may come across it. So we do have to do all the things. We have to do the vetting, the so on and so forth. That's the main reason why you do this. These threats kind of, as I mentioned, even with the tools themselves, where they're kind of universal and they're kind of mix and match, the threats are too. Um, there's a lot of sensitive information that the bad guys are after. And so you see the same kind of motivations behind everything. They're trying to get access to information that they want because it's, there's value to it. And so when you see the how do I then turn around and slow it down, same concept. I need processes and procedures, et cetera, to do it. And of course, we need the people to be able to follow those processes and procedures as well. Yeah, I was in a, um, so 
huge overview and maybe something to definitely deep dive in at a later time. But um, you, Anne, mentioned earlier, you know, speaking about uh, law enforcement and maybe people expected to be IT or doing compliance who that is not their job. Um, I'm curious, you know, as a tech partner, um, when you're working with these people who maybe don't know and haven't read all these things, where are those biggest, where are their biggest kind of missteps or miscommunication or what are kind of those big things that they sometimes are missing when it comes to compliance that you're helping support them? Um, I, I'll jump in briefly and I'll turn it over to Ann, but I, I think um, the comment of having responsibilities that they wouldn't normally have, we work with a lot of the small and mid-sized organizations, and I think that's kind of a, a reoccurring theme we see in a lot of cases where people get to wear many hats, unfortunately, and sometimes it's not their forte. But when we see that come to fruition, things that you'll occasionally see is that cities can be very large. They can be very, very large, or they could be very, very small. And when you're looking at that variation, you're going to see that they're going to just naturally be at different levels of maturity. And what that could mean is that traditionally they've inherited what they always have. I'll use a small city as an example, where the city may just be small enough where all of their systems kind of came online and they just kind of stayed that way. They were too small to worry about it any other way. As this starts to mature and the threats continue to evolve, they're being asked, now you really need to do all the things. And that may mean something like separating the city from the PD, separating, you know, some some may have the library um, where you're going to have people that go to the library jump on the wireless, making sure that the liquor store is off the network. Those kinds of things are things that we typically see where they're just not quite mature enough where they're saying, okay, how do I do these? What are the natural steps? And of course, like everybody, budget is a concern. So where do you start? How do you start to to untangle what we've got today and put in a strong roadmap of where do we go forward from here? I think to uh, put a circle around that, it's it's helping our customers. They, they often ask, Todd uses a version of this, tell me what I don't know that's important. Like, and it, we can try to stay apprised of any changes in the regulation or know the regulation so of any kind to try to see going into a new customer or an existing to say, hey, maybe this isn't an align and maybe you're aware, maybe you're not. Um, there are there are times and places where they've come back and said, yes, we are aware and that is something we're not, uh, it's not even on the radar for a while. Well, you have to maybe be compliant by December 31st. Oh, that I wasn't aware of. Okay. <laughs> so, like, and in almost every type of regulation, though, too, whether it's it's the government industries, uh, banking, with rare exception, if you are taking steps to meet compliance and you're not quite there, almost every auditor we've encountered of or examiner, that kind of thing. If you have a plan in place to meet the requirements and you're not blatantly disregarding them, there, there's a lot of, of leeway in that. It's not that people willfully miss these, these regulations, but it, like Todd said, they had one server this whole time and now they're being asked to have a firewall, two servers, and 
and 20 more users at, at a small city where those didn't exist, that's a huge burden on, on a city. And when you think about coming to all of us as taxpayers to be like, why why did we have to spend another $150,000 on what, why? But knowing those kind of things to say, we we may need to to show a plan and and even helping in budgeting. I mean, it, having those regulations to point to to say it it's not just a a suggestion. It it really is a requirement. So let's try to get there. So that I mean, that's the more fun of our our job, I guess, of my job that. <laughs> When you know that someone isn't quite there in in any one of these regulations, how can we get you there? Do we? That's that's the fun of of looking and saying what tools exist, what don't, what how can we? We'll tell you where the holes are, and and maybe these give give uh, priority to certain ones or even adding them to a budget. Um, I think that's really where. Um, CIT is is great in in doing those kind of things with our customers, but I'm not trying to brag or anything. But I think we do a pretty good job of of doing that. I mean, definitely, you can brag. You can brag on our podcast. Um, <laughs> it's us. We do it all the time. Yeah, it's us. Um, but we do recognize there are other people out there, so we we encourage you to reach out and. Um, Find out, find out what you have. That that comes up all the time, no matter what we're talking about. Know what you have. Um, is there anything else you want to kind of share? We very much skim the surface. I think we're going to come back to this, do a little deep dive. Um, but anything else that you want to share about government regulations, best practices, um, tips or tricks or anything like that? Uh, I, I will touch on it real briefly. I mean, it does look very complicated. As Anne mentioned, there's these documents that are 20 pages long, and that is very typical in the world of compliance. But they do exist for, <laughs> <laughs> but they do exist for a good reason, and they are trying to spell things out as clearly as they can. Unfortunately, when you're trying to be incredibly clear, sometimes that means you end up using a lot of words. That would be me. Um, <laughs> And so <laughs> the reality is you can boil these things down. And this is where your tech partner starts to be able to, to kind of translate those documents into meaningful, actionable things. And some of those things are the stuff we talk about over and over again. Do your cybersecurity training. Make sure you've got an incident response plan in place. Um, make sure you got your physical security in place. So there's a lot of stuff that's pretty standard, right? You just got to make sure that you're dotting your I's and crossing your T's. Some of the things that become a little bit more complicated in the government layer is that you need to make sure that you've got some agreements in place. They call them the information exchange agreements. And those are really kind of, in the typical business world, the analogy I'd make would be your, like your um, your NDAs. So you're trying to make sure that you've got agreements in place that say we can share information without giving out too much. And then um, the last thing that I wanted to add on, and uh, again, I'll turn it over to Anne so she can expand on anything that I, I covered too quickly or didn't at all, would be that there are concerns about not being compliant. Now, you know, if you're a government entity and you're being told you need to be compliant, they're not going to kick you out of the government. So there is a little bit of leeway in there. But there are certain things that if you're a partner, there are issues and concerns. So if you're non-compliant as a partner and you're being asked to, some of the downsides are you could potentially lose access to information. So CGIS in particular, a great example would be 
banks do background checks on their employees. And if you lose access to the data, you can't really be compliant and making sure that you're doing good hires. Um, there are fines. And then worst case, it's possible that criminal charges could be brought against individuals as well. So there are concerns to make sure that you take it seriously. And, and of course, it's the government and they can enforce their will. So be cautious, be diligent. That that is the I I think that contractors are actually held to a slightly higher standard than uh, say a government entity like the cities municipalities that kind of thing because we can have fines and I'm sure a city could too but we don't we lose business then and we we don't want to do that or or a contractor not compliant with the the government regulations will lose that that big contract that you know, employs 25% or 50% of their business. So it it gets to be very real when, when you potentially lose something as, as significant as, as a good chunk of your business, but it's not, it, it makes people suddenly pay attention as well. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Well, um, thank you, Todd and Anne, for joining us today. I think we'll definitely have a deep dive on this in the future. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe so that we know that you're into this subject. Um, if you have a question or a topic you'd like us to discuss, reach out to us at info at cit-net.com or head out to our website, cit-net.com slash podcast. And we'll be back next week with an all new episode.